Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today I am interviewing Ashley Armstrong, who is a neighbor to the north in Alberta. She is a first-generation female farmer. She farms alongside her husband and kids near Hythe, Alberta, on their holistically managed livestock operation. I had the pleasure of meeting Ashley face-to-face earlier this year at the Organic Alberta Conference, so it was great to catch up with Ashley again and see how she's doing on her farm. Before we get to today's episode, I am going to read the review of the week. The review of the week comes from D. Christ. It's a five-star rated review that says, love this podcast, loving all the episodes and the showcasing of rural women that you are accomplishing with this podcast. Thank you so much for that great rating and review over on iTunes. If you guys are loving the show, I would love it if you would leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And speaking of which, I'd like to say a special hello to some of the listeners that may be joining us on Stitcher this week. That is a new platform that the Rural Woman Podcast is available for download on. So if you are listening on Stitcher, let me know. I've been busy working over on wildrosefarmer.com on a few different things this week. One of them is the new blog post titled Six Ways You Can Support the Rural Woman Podcast. So I have made a list of all of the different ways that you can support this podcast and keep it on the air. I will make sure to link that in the show notes as well. In the show notes, I'm going to link to the new application to be on the Rural Woman podcast. I have gotten so many requests of women who want to be on the podcast or nominating other women that should be on the podcast. So I've made a special form over on wildrosefarmer.com for you to apply to be on the podcast or you can nominate somebody there as well. And one last thing before we get to today's episode, I just want to give a special shout out to all of the lovely ladies over in the Rural Women Podcast community on Facebook. It is a group filled with supportive women in agriculture who are fans of the Rural Women Podcast as well as just want to be in community with one another. And I am just loving being in community with you over on Facebook. So if you want to join us, head on over to Wild Rose Farmer on Facebook and find the Rural Women Podcast community. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Ashley. Hey, Ashley, how are you? Good, Caitlin, how are you? I am doing so good. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman Podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. I am excited to talk to you again, and I say again because Ashley and I have been Instagram friends for a while now. But we actually met in person at the Organic Alberta Conference this last winter. So it's good to talk to you again. I'm excited. It's nice to talk to you too. And you were the first uh, person that I met on Instagram that I approached in real life. And I was very (laughs) nervous, but you're very nice. So I was good. (laughs) It's so funny because I've been that person before who's approached other people. I'm like, hi, I follow you on Instagram. And it's like the weirdest interaction you can have with a person. But typically, they're very nice after (laughs) your first interaction, right? So I agree. (laughs) Or at least I hope I was nice to you. (laughs) Yes, you were. (laughs) 
Okay, so Ashley, for the listeners who don't know who you are, give us a little bit of a description about yourself and who you are and where you're from. So I am Ashley Armstrong, and I live near Hythe, Alberta, and I farm with my husband and our two small kids. One is six and one is four, or five, just had his birthday. We raise beef, pork, and chicken for both meat and eggs, and we are utilizing holistic management as much as we can, trying to improve our land while we raise these animals. If memory serves me correct, you have not always been a farmer. You are a first-generation farmer, you and Clay. Tell us more about that. We are definitely first-generation farmers, so the learning curve is, was very steep. We bought our farm in 2010, got our first cows in 2012, and everyone says you start with chickens. Chickens were the very last animal we added to the farm. We started raising beef just because we wanted to know where our food was coming from. So once we tried our first beef, then it, then we decided, well, we should do, do some pigs. And then, you know, you can't have beef and pork without chicken. So we got a few egg layers and then we got some meat birds that we processed and put in the freezer ourselves. And then people started asking us for farm-raised meat. So then we have, since then, we've expanded into raising and direct marketing meat for other families as well. What did you and Clay do before you were farmers? Before we were farmers, we both worked in the oil fields. My husband still works in the oil field. Uh, He's a mud man on the drilling rigs. And I worked for an oil field construction company doing safety. So obviously, that's a big change from being oil it's a very big change. <laughs> oil field workers to farmers. And was it all more or less just because you wanted to know where your food was coming from? Or was there other reasons? Nope, 100% wanted to know where our food was coming from. And then, you know, after we got the first cows, we decided that, you know, these animals are kind of cool. Let's get a few more. And then, you know, it's like you can't have one. You've got to have 50. Yes. And I've heard the same thing where chickens are usually your first thing to get. And then the bigger animals are after. So good for you guys for going backwards. (laughs) Go big or go home. Right. (laughs) I started with goats and this year there's calves and I've been thinking about chickens. So I guess I'm going the backwards route too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you mentioned your holistic management course. Is that something that you guys took after you purchased the farm or was this something you did before? So we took it after we took our, our holistic management course in 2016. We had already had cows for three summers by the time we took holistic management and it was a game changer for us. We learned so much about how our animals impact the land and how they can help improve the land. And so we started adding, we ended up adding more cows. We went from 16 cows to 60 after, or 16 cows before holistic management, 60 cows after holistic management. And then we started grazing them on one location for one day. And then we moved them to the next location for one day. So they're always, always moving. And after they move off of a parcel of land, we let it rest for about 50 to 75 days before the cows return and graze it again. And we have seen our cow, the quality of our cattle improve, our, the amount of pink eye and foot rot have gone down significantly. I think 
our first year when we had six cows, I think we had seven or eight cases of pink eye. Last year we had one case of pink eye and we've got, we had about 120 animals last year. So we've definitely seen the benefits to the, to the animal health quality has gone up and then not to mention the land quality is, has gotten better as well. That's amazing. Just the amount of disease going down or pink eye or foot rot. That's crazy. It's huge. It was, it was really, really big. And that was one of the things that we didn't, we didn't expect it, but that was definitely one of the bonuses for sure that came out of holistic management. So can you give us kind of an overview of what the holistic management course looks like for somebody maybe who is interested in it, but, you know, wants to learn a little bit more about holistic management as a whole? So holistic management, I think they call it a decision making process. So you want to think about the land, the people and the profit. So a farm is not sustainable and can't be passed down to the next generation if it's not profitable. So holistic management kind of teaches you how to set your goals and where to set your priorities, where you should be allocating your money. And it just, it helps you plan for a profit. So you set your profit first and then you kind of work everything else around that. And it was really, it was really helpful. Just even the other people in the course that we met, getting to talk to other people and hearing about what they're doing and getting other opinions and stuff. We found that was really, really beneficial too, because everybody, every farm has a different, has a different way of doing things or, you know, especially us being first generation farmers, talking to an organic farmer who's been organic for 25 years He's, that's a huge resource to us that we didn't expect that we would come out of the course with. But now I can pick up the phone and I can give this farmer a phone call and he'll answer any questions that I have just because we've now gained a relationship through, you know, taking the course together. Right. And those relationships are huge, especially I think in any generation of farming. I know for us personally, we we still talk to other farmers and we want to know what's going on with them and what they're doing that's different than us and learn from each other. Exactly. Let's talk about the eggs that are being produced on your farm and tell me about the little business that your kids have going on <laughs> over there. So my kids have saw that we were selling eggs and we were getting money and they're greedy and they want their own money. <laughs> so... <laughs> So they decided that they would take over the majority of the chicken chores and they have their chickens that they call the gypsy chicks. So they are in, in the, during the summer, they're in a converted stock trailer that we bought at an auction and we painted it bright, beautiful colors for them. And then we joke that the gypsy chicks are going on the road um, and they're on their greener pastures tour. So now the gypsy chicks go out to a spot and we park the trailer and we set up a electric net around them. So they have lots of room to run around. They can get out through the net. I've seen the chickens everywhere, but it's more to prevent coyotes or someone's dog coming in um, and, and hurting them. And then when they've spent a week on their spot right now, we're using them on old bale grazing. So they dig through the old bale grazing and pick out the bugs and the seeds and um, are also fertilizing for us. 
And then we pull their trailer forward and then we set up the net again and away they go for another week. So they get moved every week, but they have a ton of fresh grass and they're, they lay just beautiful eggs with nice orange yolks and the kids do all of the egg collecting and the washing and loading the cartons. They can't drive, so obviously we deliver for them. Um, and then the kids take their egg money and go to the feed store and buy their own feed. And they're starting to figure out, like, you know, you don't just get all the money to yourself. You have to buy your feed and your bedding and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's pretty neat seeing them seeing them figure out, you know, their own little farm business is pretty cool. I love it. And I just love, love, love the gypsy trailer. It is so cute. I love all of the fun colors. <laughs> and I also love um, your newest addition to the guardians of the chickens. Can you tell us about oh, that? Oh, Swanson. <laughs> Swanson, the guardian goose. Swanson was given to us by our neighbors. I guess he was scaring their daughter because he hisses. And so we, she said, do you want a goose? And I said, sure. And then as soon as I hung up the phone, I started Googling, how do you keep a goose alive? I had no idea. <laughs> I've never had any experience with a goose before and he showed up and the first night he took off and ran out to the cows so we kind of like walked out there and looked at him and walked home and he followed us and then he started chasing all the chickens into their coop so we were going and locking the chickens in at 11 o'clock at night and still having some stragglers outside he has everybody locked in by nine o'clock it's so nice he just, he chases them, like he gets them out from under the trailer and chases them in. He won't go in the coop. He likes to sleep outside the door. But yeah, oh, he's so fun. And you go out there and he starts squawking and calling them, letting them know that, that we're coming out. Or if a raven or a hawk flies overhead, he's honking and letting everybody know about the danger. And then it's neat because the chickens will all run back to the trailer when he starts honking at them because they know it's safe under the trailer nothing can get them and it's it's pretty neat to see them them all work together that is so cool i had no idea that you could have a guardian goose who knew yeah um apparently if you have i think they said more than three they stop being guardians because they would rather just you know, do the goose thing. Whereas if you just have one or two, then, then they're good guardians. Well, there you go. Now I need chickens and a goose. Yep. You sure do. A go it'll entertain you. Right. I, I hope Justin's not listening to this because he'll, <laughs> he will put a stop to this. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But, or you just say, by the way, a goose is showing up tonight. That's what I did. Works there good. Go. There you go. That's what you, that's what you get when you when you go to the auction by yourself or when the neighbor calls and he's not home, right? So, <laughs> Yep, exactly. Hey, all we'll get right back to our episode after a word from our sponsor. Nestled in the tree-filled mountains by Kootenai Lake in Nelson, British Columbia, KL Skin Naturals was founded in 2013 by owner Leah. KL Skin Naturals is known for their award-winning natural deodorant that I have personally been using since early 2017, and I can tell you from personal experience, it passes the farming test. You know what I'm talking about. I feel good knowing that the deodorant that I'm using is free from harsh chemicals and scents. 
all of their products are produced by hand from the very first measure to the very last label. Each recipe was worked, researched, perfected, and tested on family and friends who all agree that there's something unique to be offered in the effective products that Leah is making. Listeners of the Rural Woman podcast can save 10% off their order with promo code WILDROSE10. So head on over to klskindeodorant.com to choose from their wide selection of clean scented natural deodorants, plus other natural skincare products such as fresh aloe skin cream, foot butters, and more. Now back to our episode with Ashley. So I want to go back to the winter. I know it's kind of snowing up there in Hythe, Alberta right now, and I'm feeling for you because it's June and... Uh, I'm really yep. sorry to hear that, but let's go back to the winter <laughs> and your bale grazing management that you have for your cattle. Tell us more about that. So we have found through holistic management was when we heard about bale grazing. So what bale grazing essentially is, is you take your bales and you set them out in the fall where you want them. We chose our fields that need the most amount of improvements and we set the bales out in rows and I think they were 10 or 12 bales to a row and then we cut the twine and let the cows out but we just section off so we run an electric fence and they only get 10 bales at a time so they eat the bales down all of the manure that's coming out of them goes directly onto the land so we don't have to start a tractor in the winter has been our biggest benefit so we fed bales from November until I think about the end of May and we burnt three quarters of a tank of fuel in our tractor and two jerry cans worth of fuel in our sled that was it we did burn the 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 fuel we did burn in the tractor was just feeding them you know minus 40 they're getting green feed bales or just additional bales or feeding our bulls but it was it works so well. And then where the cows were, the grass grows back so much, so much better. And the quality is so much better. And yeah, bale grazing is is so nice. It's so nice, especially for our our minus 40 winters. I don't think that our tractor would have started anyway. So I couldn't imagine having to feed bales every day. Whereas, you know, minus 40 sucks, but the sled will more than likely start. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I just think it sounds so much less labor intensive than having to go out and feed them portions every day. They can kind of figure it out for themselves. They're smart animals and, you know, where there's food, they'll eat it. Yeah, exactly. And then the benefits we noticed last year, my husband took a couple pictures in our where we had bale grazed. And our son is standing in the bale grazing and where there was no bale, the way the grass is, you know, between his knees and his waist, where there where we did do bale grazing 10 feet apart, the grass is over his head. So there's some huge benefits to it. And it really helps the land. That's awesome. So for your meat, you mentioned that you have started selling it. Uh, is it off of your farm or do you have it in stores? Uh, no, it's all it's all off farm. So the majority of it is through um, word of mouth or else through social media. We were at the farmer's market in Beaver Lodge for about a year. But with the ages of our kids, it's too hard to make it to a market every weekend or every this was a weekday market, but it was it's too hard to make it to the market every week. And 
the thought of being at a market every weekend is like, oh, you know, it, our kids are too young for right now. Maybe in the future that's something we would look into. But so far we found just word of mouth and online sales is, is what's working for us right now. That's great. And do you have plans to expand your meat business? We're looking into shipping where we are. It's a very big agricultural area. So we are about five hours from Edmonton, eight hours from Calgary, which are bigger centers. And it's not practical for one of us to be gone from the farm for a few days at a time to go to the city and sell meat. We do a couple trips a year usually, but we're just, yeah, kind of looking into the, the shipping aspect of it and trying to figure out what are the logistics? How can we do this? How can we make it affordable and easy for people? Because, you know, people want to go camping. You don't want to be at the farmer's market on the weekend. <laughs> right. Well, Our summers are so short. Like it's oh, snowing know. and it's June, right? Like we live <laughs> in Alberta. You got better things to do, I think. No doubt. Well, it's pretty windy here today. I hope it's not the wind blowing that snow down here. Cause you oh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so Ashley, you have a couple of exciting things happening over at Armstrong Acres in the next couple of weeks. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's going on on the farm? So we are hosting a soil workshop with Dr. Chris Nickel, who is a soil scientist. And they are coming out to the farm and they're going to do some soil samples and lots of learning. And then people are encouraged to bring their own soil sample that we can test. And it should be it should be really interesting. That sounds like it'll be an awesome event and I can't wait to hear more about it. And the event is actually also in partnership with the Young Agrarians, if I am correct. Um, can you tell us more about the Young Agrarians organization and what they've done for your farm? Young Agrarians has been huge for our farm and huge with all of the events and the webinars and the mixers and the workshops and courses that they offer young agrarians has been a huge resource for us and they i can't say enough good things about about young agrarians like they'll even they're even doing like land matching for new farmers who can't find land they'll hook you up with um, an older farmer who wants to get out of farming Young Agrarians is there. It's awesome. They're such hardworking people. They're so good and they have so many good programs. So check them out if you, if you can. We love them too. We actually had a apprentice through Young Agrarians, I believe two years ago, he started here and he has worked here on and off since then. And yeah, it was a great experience and they always have so many people who are interested in coming into the agriculture field because for kids like well, for city kids, how else do you get into farming, right? Unless you know somebody who's already a farmer, you don't have your foot in the door. So it's kind of a nice, they're the nice middleman to get you onto a farm if that's where you want to be. Exactly. And then they're a huge um, resource as well, like the amount of knowledge that they have. And if you have a question and you ask them and they don't know, they will put you in touch with who does have the answer to your question. Tell us about... What are some of the challenges you have faced as a first-generation farmer? We, I, th I would have to say our biggest, the biggest challenge that we have faced is just the lack of knowledge. The who do you call? Who do you ask? 
how do you learn about when to buy animals and when to sell animals? So a lot of the things that we have learned, we have learned the hard way, or we've read a lot of books and watched a lot of YouTube videos and then have modified like something that, you know, a farmer in Arizona is doing is not going to work for us, but it's a good idea that maybe we can modify and make it work for us. So, but yeah, definitely not knowing who to ask and, you know, can I ask this question? Will someone think I'm silly if I ask this question? I have felt very similar that way. I know even this year when I was at the auction mart buying and selling animals, I had so many questions. I was by myself and I didn't know who to ask and if I would sound silly or not. But honestly, I feel like in the agriculture community, people are more than willing to help you most of the time. And at least I know that now more. (laughs) So asking the silly or stupid questions, I don't feel as bad anymore because I'm sure somebody else has asked this before I have. Yeah. And it's it's intimidating, like going to the auction and buying a cow. Well, what are you looking for? Exactly. And if you don't, if you don't know much about cows, like we did when we started, you don't know what you're looking for. So then it's kind of learning and figuring out and, you know, going from going from there and, you know, learning from your past mistakes is definitely is definitely always the best way to learn. I think I think so, too. I think that is probably like the fastest learning tool is to make a mistake and then, you know, know what not what not to do next. So exactly. Yeah, a prime of example of that is the first year that we had cows. We bought them in August because we were on vacation and said, like, we should get some cows. And then we got home and it's August and we bought some cows. And then we sold them in October. You don't buy cows in August and sell in October. You buy them in April and sell in October. We had no idea. And, you know, we lost money. And so then that is also is really good motivation to learn and figure it out. And, okay, we can't, farming isn't going to be something that we can do if we lose money every year. We have to figure out how can we break even the next year? How can we make a little bit of money? And we definitely do not buy cattle in August anymore. (laughs) I am glad to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. When I bought my goats last year, I can't remember how much I paid for them. But when I sold them at the auction, because I had priced them too high afterwards, I was just like, oh, my God, Justin, I feel like a real farmer. And he's like, why is that? Because I worked my ass off all summer and I lost money. And he's like, welcome to the club. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so much of farming is that way, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. know. All right. Back on the script here. Um. (laughs) So you mentioned you have little kids at home and you're busy on the farm. What do you do to find some time for self-care for you? What is (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) self-care? Oh, there's not a whole lot of time for it. It's kind of like make time to do something you enjoy once the kids are in bed. We live where we live. We're about 12 hours from my parents and my husband grew up on Vancouver Island. So, you know, it's, it's more than that, um, out to the Island. So it's kind of just us and the kids. So you kind of just make time after they go to bed 
to do, you know, your gardening or read a book or whatever, whatever it it is, or go out and check the chickens in silence by yourself. (laughs) That's self-care enough, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. This is my last and final question for you. What do you think is the most rewarding part of being a farmer for you? The most rewarding part for being a farmer for me is knowing the quality of the meat that I'm feeding to my kids, knowing where their food is coming from, knowing that that steak that they're eating spent its entire life on our farm, aside from its one bad day at the butcher shop, knowing what's going into the food is definitely is definitely the most rewarding part. And then looking at our kids and watching uh, my six-year-old daughter talk to my husband about soil health and how our cows are improving the land and just listening to listening to the kids. They're learning and they're and they're picking it up and it's absolutely amazing. And I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And we joke all the time, like, what would we do with our time if we weren't farmers? Like, what did we do with our time when we weren't farmers? So yeah, definitely the most rewarding part is is just teaching the kids and then knowing where our food comes from. Oh, I love it. It's like the whole Armstrong family is just all learning together. I just love it. It is. <laughs> and it's bad when the six-year-old and the five-year-old are learning faster than mom. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. Well, Ashley, it's been so great talking to you this afternoon. I'm so happy to keep in touch with you over on Instagram. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. So on Instagram, we are armstrong.acres, armstrong period acres. And um, we are on Facebook as well at armstrong acres uh, period farm. But we're mostly mostly on Instagram. Great. Well, and I will make sure to tag all of those in the show notes so people can find you no problem. Perfect. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Ashley, it was so great talking to you today. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Hey guys, it's me again. I just wanted to say thank you so much to this week's sponsor, Shop Wild Rose Farmer. You may be thinking, what? Shop Wild Rose Farmer is your shop. Well, yes. Yes, it is. Proceeds from Shop Wild Rose Farmer go directly to supporting this podcast and making it possible. Consider purchasing an I Am Your Farmer t-shirt or even an I Am Your Rancher t-shirt. Check out the popular Wild Rose Farmer tank tops as well as sweatshirts, hoodies, and more. Members of the Wild Rose Farmer community receive a 20% off promo code for their first purchase from Shop Wild Rose Farmer. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com for more information. Thanks again for listening and supporting the Rural Woman Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.